0: i um, doing readings from also of the chapter so sure. 22 verses 1 to 32. I Arifu. Please, we it? with me. that. Uh, <coughs> right, so the, now the feast of the unleavened bread drew near, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to put them to death, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, who was one of the number of the twelve he went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he consented and sought an opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of the crowd. Then came the day of the unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it." They said to him, And when the hour came, he reclined at the table with the apostles were there, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you, that, I tell you now that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the wine, unto the kingdom of God. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave to them, saying, This is my bond which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is a new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And then <coughs> and they began to question one another, which of them it could be who was going to do this. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them were to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. For who is greater, one who at the table or the one who serves? This is not the one who at the table, but I am, I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stayed with me in my trials, as I am assigned to you, as my father assigned to me, a kingdom, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on the thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel, Simon, Simon, behold, saying, demanded to, to have you, that he may sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned again, strengthen your fathers.
1: Welcome along. My name is uh, Rob. And as we look at this part of God's word to us, This is God's Word, and I'm going to ask God to help us understand it. Ask God to help me to be able to explain it as well. So, remain as you are. I'm going to ask God for help. Well, thanks for your Word that you've given us. Thank you that you don't leave us in the dark about the things that you have done in Jesus and the significance of them. Help us to understand what you are saying to us. Through this part of your words, they help me to be able to explain it well. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Meals we eat them every day, and we forget them in a dish. Who remembers what they had for breakfast this morning? Tea? no one remembers. <laughs> uh, okay. uh, and yet, meals can take on such a significance for us as we use them to celebrate special occasions. Yeah. rather than me tell you what all the special occasions are that um, you are, use a meal to remember on your tables see if you can gather a list you can jot them down in the list and see if you get some unusual ones mm-hmm. things, events that you use a meal to celebrate go for it <laughs> They yeah. are <laughs> 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 Okay, hello. Uh, let's see, who, can, uh, who thinks i have got the most? Who's got more than 10 things down? <coughs> <coughs> Who's got nothing down? Oh, well, there too. <laughs> Okay, let's start with the back Then They've got nothing. <laughs> okay, we'll go table by table, just yell out something, even though you've got nothing. Waiting. Waiting. Okay, you can't say the same thing again. Okay. Oh, next table? Thanksgiving. The next Thanksgiving, time. yeah. Birthday cake? Birthday mm-hmm. Birthday cake? That's a meme. Remember that thing? Promotion. Uh, promotion. Uh, promotion, like at work. Yeah, that's good thing you're doing. State of Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. um, finishing high school. Finishing high school, yeah. Engagement parties. Engagement? Yep. Uh, Christmas. Christmas. Anniversary. <laughs> uh, Anniversary. And <laughs> <And let's read. laughs> <You> don't eat food. No. Wool cake? Ah, you just celebrate the fact that moon cake and dumplings. <laughs> 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 Back again? Awake. Uh, Sorry?
2: Awake. Oh, Awake. Oh, you know when someone
1: dies a meal doing
2: after death
1: uh, celebrate the start of the day, the middle of the day and the end of the day. Do <laughs> 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 sort of yeah. you guys are out? Uh, nothing. Okay. I think yeah. A-G-Ns. Uh. <laughs> it's just like a state of origin things. No. Yeah. Okay. Father's Day. Father's Day. Yeah, not that one. Father's Day. <laughs> 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 you guys around? No? Nah? You guys? want to go again? Friend. Final two. Friend. Really special. Uh, <laughs> Nobody said engagement, did they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. sorry. Oh, oh, you said engagement. Graduation. Did anyone say graduation? Yeah. Actually, it's awesome. 18th, 21st, there, isn't the uh, <laughs> Nobody said birthday date, first date dinner. Uh, yeah, that's a
2: celebration. <laughs> that's a
0: celebration.
2: <laughs> in all the celebrations,
1: in all the weddings that I've been to, and probably all the other celebrations, too, meals, I've been to some fairly fancy weddings and some um, uh, fairly budget weddings. Uh, and whether it's fancy food or budget food, in most cases, fancy or not, I really don't remember what was on the menu. I remember that it was nice, or I remember that it was budget, but I really don't remember what I ate. You might have a different memory to me. Even for my own celebrations, I think that I've had, uh, like our first dinner date, uh, some 20, many, many years ago. (laughs) I don't remember what we ate. Um, Joe and I, my wife, and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. We don't remember. We remember where it was, uh, manly, and we just don't remember what we ate. Was Was it Italian or was it Asian? We don't remember. It was perhaps just too far in the past. All I remember is what we didn't have. I remember that Joe didn't order the lobster, which I was very thankful for. (laughs) If you ever get the opportunity to order lobster, if you are not paying, go for it maybe the last time. (laughs) But the menu isn't the meal. It's what you have. It's not the meal. You're not meant to remember the things you ate. You have to remember that because with the rise of such shows as MasterChef so on, the focus is back on the food, isn't it? It's not the meal that you share it with, it's on the food, the recipe, the ingredients. But this is the focus of the celebration. I'll come to the details of this meal that we read about in a moment. Uh, but one of the things about this meal that it recorded for us in Luke, is that the dish is the focus. The dish is the thing to celebrate. Now, the context of this meal, uh, I'll come back to again with some detail, but it's a meal of national identity. It's called the Passover. And it's a coming of age for the nation when they were rescued from slavery, So. Thousands of years before Jesus. And you see it in verse, pick up in verse 1 of the reading we've got there. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to put him, Jesus, to death, for they feared the people. So we've got Jesus in Jerusalem, and everybody in Jerusalem is celebrating this meal, this. Feast of Unleavened Bread is passed over. Some are seeking, however, and, and this is not unfamiliar territory for us, but the danger to Jesus, now that he's in Jerusalem, amongst the authorities, is extreme. We're used to celebrities and dignitaries, planning and authorizing security to keep him safe from the crowd. Uh, Jesus needs the crowd to keep him safe from the authorities as they plan to attack him. In fact, what we seeing now with this plan to attack Jesus is it takes a very otherworldly and satanic turn in this chapter. Verse 3. Then Satan entered into Judas, called Iscariot, who was one of the number of the twelve. He went away and conferred with the chief priests and the officers how he might betray him to them. They were glad. It's a devastating attack on Jesus. Satanic attack. Right under his nose. One of the twelve. One of Jesus' very own inner circle. Betrays him. It only takes one. One on a team. On any sporting team. To be playing for the other side to assure defeat for that team. When the goal is working for the other side, you will lose. When the striker doesn't kick the goal, you will lose. Here is one of the team who is playing for the other side and defeat has to be certain. Even though we know about this treacherous move, Luke tells us about it, Luke shows us, however, that Jesus is still in control of what's happening. He's in control of this meal and preparations. I don't know if you, if you noticed it, but Jesus asks Peter and John. Well, pick it up there in verse 8. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat. And they said to him, where will you have us prepare it? And he says, Them, behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters and tell the master of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room that we may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he'll show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. If you have been asked to prepare an event like this, just go into the city and find a guy, follow the guy, and go to a place and ask that guy, Where is the place? And that's where the place is. Now, that sounds like great preparation plans, doesn't it? Added to the fact that this is Jerusalem at the time of the Passover, when everybody who is Jewish from around the world, but like in the nation of Israel, tries to make it into the city. This is a little bit like grand final day in Sydney, turning up from the bush at the box office and saying, me and 12 of my mates have just arrived from up the bush and we'd like to get tickets for the grand final, corporate box something you know where we can just all hang out that'd be really good and we may or may not have any money as well it's like you just can't do that, you just wouldn't do that but here Jesus has such control over what is happening that even in the you could say Make him of his city at the time. He has things prepared. Nothing is left to chance. He's in control of the meal and its preparations. And so much, and you can tell that he is, because so much so, he says to them uh, as he sets down to eat this meal with them. Verse 14 The hour came, he reclined at table, and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired. To eat this passover with you before I suffer. It's the, uh, the the same word is used twice. I have desiringly desire. It's like an intense thing. What is the thing that Jesus <coughs> looks forward to most? The thing that he's been waiting for. It's this meal with his disciples. That's what Jesus excites him. A meal. And we can see some of the things that are excitable for Jesus about this meal. It's connected with the coming of the kingdom of God. He recognises that this will be the last time he eats with them before the, the kingdom of God comes. It's the last time he'll partake of the fruit of the vine before the kingdom of God comes. There's something in this meal that's connected with something big that God is doing in the world. And this meal is uh, the, the beginning of that or the end of that is the, is the connection into God bringing his kingdom and anticipating that coming. And Jesus desperately wants to share this moment with them. But well, what's in this meal that Jesus can't wait to be on? It's the Passover meal. It's the celebration of the birth of a nation. Uh, it's remembering the time when the people of Israel were saved out of the nation of Egypt, where they were in slavery. And you may, have, you may be familiar with the story where God brings plagues upon the nation of Egypt because they won't let his people go, they won't let his people go. And the plagues intensify and intensify in what is almost a contest of the gods, as one God tries to replicate the. Know, what God does and so on and so on through to this very final tenth plague where God determines that every firstborn of the nation both man and beast will die when his angel of death passes over the city he passes over the, the country of Egypt and all firstborn will die except for those who paint the blood of a lamb on their doorpost as a sign for God to pass over for this angel of death death to pass over Uh, a lamb is to be prepared roasted whole and none of it is to remain until the next morning the bread they eat with this lamb is to be made without yeast that is there's no time for this bread to rise because these people God's people they're going to leave the city and they've got to be ready to go. They've got to have their cloaks tucked into their belts ready to run and they're going to eat this in haste because God is saving his people from slavery and he's saving them into relationship with him. The institution of the Feast of Unleavened Bread is the occasion of remembering what God did and the menu is the highlight. It's the reason for the season. Each element of the menu is a reminder of God acting to save them in some way. I won't go through what the menu involves. It involves eating lamb, it involves eating leavened bread, and it's celebrated every year through to today by Jewish people around the world as the Passover, as Jesus celebrated with his disciples. But in this particular meal, Jesus rewrites the menu. And it's amazing what he does. As the meal progresses, Jesus says the most audacious, if not blasphemous things in this meal. He says as the Passover meal is celebrated, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. That is. Don't remember the Exodus. Don't remember when God saved you from slavery. Don't remember when God made a relationship with you through through covenant of of salvation. Now remember me. When you eat this meal, do this in remembrance of me. Could you imagine the uproar on Anzac Day? at the dawn service. When the MC comes to read out the Ode, at the end, if you know the Ode, um, remember that's what it's called, when he says, they shall not grow old, as we that are left grow old. age shall not weary them, nor the ears condemn at the sun, going down of the sun, and in the morning, have a go. We will remember them. What if he doesn't say that last and last line and says, You should remember me? Well, that's just blasphemous. That is what Jesus does here. He rewrites the menu. He says, It's actually all about me. It's all about me. Don't remember the covenant established with the blood of oxen and lambs. This blood uh, this cup is the new covenant. The new relationship with God in my life, my death is the sign of rescue, not the death of the lion. My death is salvation from slavery, salvation from judgment and destruction. My death is the establishment of a new relationship with God. Jesus co-ops the Passover and says it's all about Him. It's not true that's blasphemy because it's not true that you can but it comes through this meal this new meal this new salvation comes through betrayal and defeat and at the hands of the powers of darkness point three and uh, as we saw back in, in verse 3, Satan enters Judas. The satanic advance here now is very clear. You see it in verse 31, where we finished up. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. You don't have it in front of you, but in verse 34, Peter goes on to deny Jesus after Jesus is arrested denies him three times. Verse 37, Jesus says he must be numbered amongst the transgressors. Verse 39, and following, Jesus walks out into the night after this meal to pray on the Mount of Olives. And as he prays, it's as though he's besieged by some internal terror, hunger. Internal falling apart. You can only guess what is happening for Jesus as he prays to God. He says to God, he begs God, let this cup pass from me. The agony and torment, who can understand that's happening for Jesus? Take this cup away from me. But he prays, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. But even this doesn't settle the matter for Jesus because it continues on verse forty four. Being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood. Something massively evil is happening. Something satanic say so is happening, that this is happening this way. From the time Jesus entered Jerusalem, he's been in control of everything, in control of the meal, but for a moment here, it looks as though he's actually lost control, and in this moment of weakness, a crowd comes in this Mount Olives. Judas is leading a small arm to arrest Jesus. There's a moment of violence, and Jesus again shows he's in control, and indeed, That's something amazing. He pronounces free reign to his satanic opponents. As though he were directing them. In verse 53, after he's arrested in his garden, he says to them, But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Jesus hands over power to his enemies, to his opponents. And as though all restraint upon his enemies have been released, there's an all-out invasion against Jesus and his his followers. Verse 54, he's seized and brought into the house of the high priest. Verse 55, Peter denies him three times. It's been predicted and now that happens. Verse 63, they mock him and they beat him. They play this sadistic game where they blindfold him and say, prophesy Jesus. Who hit you, Jesus? Who hit you that time, Jesus? Why don't you prophesy? Who struck you, Jesus? Luke says, blaspheming him with many other things. They have their way. They have their hour of power. They have their sacrifice, their own Passover sacrifice, drawing his blood in front of them. But what they don't see, what they can't see, as they have their way with him, their violence toward him, their violation of him and his body is actually his victory. His bloodshed is the new covenant, the new relationship with God being open and established. Here is God's gracious rescue of, from slavery, not for one nation, but for all people, and salvation from just judgment for those who will put their trust in Jesus' blood to turn away God's right anger against sin. His victory over sin is won through death at the hands of sin. Friends, let me speak for a moment to you who are followers of Jesus. You will never achieve anything in life more important than to grasp what jesus does in these chapters your great achievements and they are great achievements of in life whether it's in relationships whether it's at uni with marks with your job with family that you may have in the future where with places that you travel with people that you meet, you will never do anything more important in life than to grasp what Jesus is doing here and to grasp it again and again and again. You will never move to anything greater than this. Jesus' sin bearing death is your daily sustenance and life itself. It's never a waste of time to put other things aside and to grasp hold of what God is doing here in Jesus. Your best moments in life are at best footnotes to this reality-altering work of Jesus. You'll do nothing more important than to seeing life this way. These are events that turn life upside down, that turn reality upside down. The things that we once loved so much have been replaced by the love of God for us in Christ. Perhaps you're not a follower of Jesus. I'm glad you're here with us hearing what Jesus is doing. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you'll never do anything more important in eternity than to grasp hold of what Jesus is doing. Is sin bearing death can bring you life. Life as you were meant to have it, that is, in relationship with God. Without fear of rejection, without fear of judgment. To be able to deal with the things of your past and the worries of your future, the problems that you have around you. Mm -hmm. Nothing is more important than grasping hold of what Jesus is doing here. And your best moments in life will mean nothing in the end without coming to know your Creator, your God, as your Father and Friend through what Jesus does in these chapters. None of us will do nothing more important in eternity than see life through the lens of what Jesus does here. And Jesus shows us. In what he does here, what is truly important, what is truly great, and what greatness is. He shows us that true greatness is found in serving. He told it to his disciples and explained to his disciples about this before his arrest, as they argued about which one of them was the greater one. You see it back in verse 25. A dispute also arose among them, the disciples, as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. For who is greater, one who reclines at table or one who serves? It's not the one who reclines at the table. Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I'm among you as one who serves. Greatness is not seen in exercising authority and power over others. It doesn't matter whether it's the position that you might have in life, whatever that might be, but it doesn't matter either whether it's your great abilities in life. Perhaps you're the sort of person... Who can put someone down with an incisive argument. Perhaps you're a clever person who can arrange things and make make political manoeuvres to advance your agendas and and gain friends along the way. Perhaps you're the sort of person who has achievement and performance that you can show to others, trophies, your marks, your fiancé that you have. We have fleeting moments of greatness which we celebrate and love to. and are worth celebrating too. Celebrate them with great meals and great guests around us. Jesus subverts it all by serving us, portrayed in him serving a meal, where symbolically he is the menu, he is the meal so that others can celebrate. Others can celebrate not their own greatness, but the greatness of what God has done for them. And so give themselves to serving others. Jesus serves them as he gives his body over to mistreatment, gives his body over to death, bearing God's anger against sin. As we think on that, There is nothing greater we can think of and think of. And so, can do nothing greater than to give ourselves in service of others for their good. Friends, nothing greater in life can you do than to contemplate what Jesus does to you. Nothing greater in life can you do than to give your life in service of others. Let's pray. I'm going to pray first. Father, thank you for your generosity and mercy. We see in Jesus, who in this meal shows how he gives himself to death to bring salvation for those under judgment, to bring freedom from sin. Thank you that Jesus does not so treasure his own wife, but gives it up for the sake of those who serve. Help us to grasp hold of this Lord and to see our own lives bound up in what Jesus has done. And may we serve others in response. Amen.
2: Hi everyone, my name is I'm listening to keep praying now so you pray with me. You. Father God, we thank you for the different ways we can meet together each week to find out more about who you are and what you have done for us. Thank you in particular for TEAM, where we can meet each week to look at hard topics. We pray that through the TEAM, we will be challenged to know more about you and to live for you. We also thank you for the campus Bible ministry at the Bankstown campus of Western Sydney Union. We pray for their upcoming outreach events, for their movie night that I'll be watching The Case for Christ, and also for their board game night. We ask that if it is your will, many new people will come along and hear the good news of Jesus. We pray also that students will be bold in talking to their friends and inviting them to these events. Lord, we pray for our upcoming AGM next Wednesday. Please give us your wisdom as we seek to elect the new committee for 2018. We thank you God for the work that the committee has done this year and for the way you have provided so many opportunities on campus. We pray for the committee that is to be elected. Uh, we pray that they will serve you faithfully and not neglect their own relationship with you as they seek to encourage others in their faith. Uh, and we pray for all of us that we will remember and reflect on daily Christ's victory.
0: And that we wouldn't would the in our busy lives. We this God that He's given us the power